Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, now on iTunes and Spotify. Today we're here with deadlift king Brad Gillingham. This is the man that has deadlifted over 800 pounds in competition, a total of 102 times. Among many achievements, Brad has set 16 IPF Masters World Records and is an IPF Hall of Famer as well as an NSCA Hall of Famer. Uh, welcome back, Brad. We had you on a while ago, but uh, we had some more questions for you, so welcome back. Yeah, I look forward to talking with you guys today. Yeah, we always like having you on. You're such a great guy. You're a good friend of ours. He's all right. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me just jump in here a second. Um, First off, uh, the listeners should understand that Brad is the greatest drug-free powerlifter of the last 20 years. This is a three-time IPF world champion, correct, Brad? Open? Yeah, three open and three masters. Right, and this is a man who lives in a world dominated by drugged athletes. He's competed drug-free his whole life. Uh, In spite of that, he's overcome. He's without peer in terms of longevity and also in terms of peak performance. Um, Again, 103 times competitive 800-pound deadlifts. I think second place was like, I don't know, 42. I mean, it's, it's truly an amazing stat. I'm, I mean, when I first heard that, I was like, you got to be kidding. It's all in competition. Yeah. And, and when did we, what was the first time we met, Brett? What year we was met that? In, we met in 1997 at the uh, USPF Nationals in Philadelphia. Yep. Yep. And that's the first time I'd seen you and your dad was with yep. you backstage. Yep. And I competed in that, and uh, I remember talking to Brad in the back. I remember that, yep. And oh, you did, Jimmy. Yep, I competed hard, there. Hard to believe how long ago that is now, Jim. Yeah. Marty, what, what was it that caught your eye about Brad when you saw him that first oh, time? I don't know, maybe because he was six foot five and 3'15", <laughs> and he looked like the right. worst god, and his father was uh, Gail Gillingham, yeah, and all pro that I knew about. And I was like, God damn. Yeah. yeah, and then in the back room, I saw uh, Gail getting Brad ready for the squat, and Brad's getting into his squat suit. And, and Jimmy, you know how at the end you'd spin the guy around and pull up on the uh, yeah straps, the straps, right? So Gail spins Brad around and picks him up like a rag doll, like three feet off the floor, and he's shaking the shit out of him like he weighs you know 105 <laughs> pounds to put him in the suit and then he puts Brad back down and I'm like damn right yeah he he did that one time in the Ukraine in 98 as in Cherkasa Ukraine backstage and and he picked me up like that and, and held me there and I'm like oh, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, I'm that, good dad that that was uh that that made him a legend amongst the uh Russians and Ukrainians and in Hungarians that were standing there watching that, they oh yeah, Alpha's like recognized Alpha's. Yeah, they now, were, they now Brad, Brad, your dad. You've told me multiple times. He, you really looked up to him. He was your hero. He was, uh, you know, for those that don't know, your dad, Brad. I mean, uh, Gail Gillingham. He played for the the Green Bay Packers. He was actually in in the what the first and second Super Bowl. 
Yeah, he he was uh, his rookie year was Super Bowl one. Um, he uh, he started uh, about midway through that year. He you know he, he was credited for knocking out Fred the Hammer Williamson in Super Bowl one. Yeah. Uh, played in the Ice Bowl the following year, and uh, had a long career, uh, ten seasons over eleven years. Packer Hall of Famer. What I th- thought was really interesting about him was he was one of the first guys in the NFL that that came along and said, "Look, we got to lift weights in the off season and all that." And that was at a time where they didn't, the coaches really didn't like that because they figured it was going to make you muscle bound and tight and everything like that, right? And that exergenie, the exergenie. I remember reading about that. So if you want to know a lot about Brad's father, uh, yeah, Brad's father. Instant Replay by Jerry Kramer was the first. That was when he was a rookie. And uh, it's a fantastic book. It's it's a diary of um, a season with Lombardi and the Packers from the eyes of, of Jerry Kramer, the all-pro guard. And the best part was when they're driving down the road and, and Gilling, you know, Brad's father's a, a rookie and he doesn't say anything. You know, he's just a real quiet guy. And they've been through 100, you know, grass drills, and you know, twice a day with this. Lombardi guy and and uh, Jerry Kramer says that your dad's in the back seat and finally he just says that guy's an awful man. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> and it was the first time he had said anything like all camp. He just said that's an awful man, something like that. You know. Uh, all right, all right. I got a very quick Lombardi story. So one time they asked Willie Davis, the All Pro end for the Packers, yep. African American. They said, uh, "Listen, Willie, uh, is, we heard reports that Lombardi." is a racist and well he said he said oh, oh no he said uh he treats us all the same like dogs yep yep <laughs> yeah no kidding brad did you ever meet uh, lombardi no i was you know i, I was real young then i i uh you know you're talking like uh i was an infant during those super bowl years but, oh yeah yeah but you know i remember a lot of a lot of my father's career you know he, i was in fifth sixth grade when he retired so Lots of memories, but not not during those years. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so sorry. In those days, yeah. they, they had to work in the off season. They didn't make enough money. Hey, <laughs> they all had yeah, they all had uh, uh, real jobs in the off season. What did your dad do? Right? Off yeah, what did he do? He, my my grandpa, my mom's dad was a dairy farmer, and uh, my dad did. Uh, Worked in the dairy farm with them during the off season, <laughs> just like you know, that. just like cows and throwing hay bales, you know. Wow, that's great. That'll Take make you wrong. tough, man. That's why he was so tough. So then, in the second book that Kramer wrote, Distant Replay, he goes to your house. Jerry Kramer yeah. goes to your house, and your dad dunks the basketball, weighing like three hundred some pounds. Yeah, says, I, I remember a quote. He was like. Everybody today is a bunch of 3.2 beer drinking, you know, just railing on the guys of today, and then he just takes the ball and slams it, you know. Yeah, he was, it, yeah. it was something about 3.2 beer drinking, milk-fed. Yeah, yeah. Blank, blank, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was there that time when, when Kramer came wow. to the house, and uh, actually my dad had a, uh, he was playing softball in like the 30 and over or 40 and over league. Kramer, Kramer ended up going to the game with them, and then they, they enjoyed several beers afterwards. So. Yeah. Did, a, did a fight break out? Yeah, I don't think that those two guys did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that's great. Uh, you know, the, the, 
the real thing with 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 my dad that relates a lot to our our lifting and a lot of the concepts that that, that we utilize. I, I think we share Jim and me and Marty and JP. We share a lot of the same similarities and how we go about things. It's it's old school and it's simple and it's raw strength and you know that was my dad. It was simple movements, heavy, uh, trained with a purpose, trained with intensity. And then get out of the gym, you know. Right. Jim, Jim, he was very sports specific. In that, in in his position, he had to he had to grab, hold, and then overwhelm. Right, as a guard. Right. Right. He had to tie him up, and then just manhandle him. And that's what he did with the short movements. He, uh, Brad's dad was like the master of these the partials. Power rack guy. Yeah, part, but partials and strong as shit. What were some of the, the, the partial lifts that he did, Brad? Well, he had a 1,455-pound uh, quarter squat, or not quite a quarter squat. <laughs> um, you know, he pulled, uh, pulled similar more than I did, and I, and, I, and I held the IPF world record in the deadlift for seven years, but he... He pulled 1150 out of the rack, and that was with his bare hands, not oh, with straps. Now, how'd you, how'd you like to get grabbed by that guy? Yeah, he, you know, the, the one with 1150 pound hands. Yeah, he, he had a grip, man. He, he had a grip. He, one of his goals towards the end of his life, he was working those grippers a lot. He, he wanted to get that number four Iron Mind gripper close. Oh, man. He got great. He, he couldn't quite get the four close. He could do it. He could brush it up against but, his leg. And but he got the three. He got the three. He got the three easy, yeah. Wow. And you no. and your brother? You and your brother both got the three? Yeah. All, through, all ah. three of us brothers could, could do the three. No, we, I used to sell those, and I used to sell all the different sizes, and I tried a four one time. I couldn't even budge it. And the three, I don't even think I could budge that. I mean, that they're insanely strong. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. gotta have a heck. You gotta have a heck of a grip on you to close that three. Yeah, that's right. See, you my guys... younger brother Wade and my dad, they could close that four by holding the spring on top. Oh, it's amazing. But they couldn't make it for the certification because you can't hold on to that spring at the top. And yeah, but I mean, the three. There's only you know, was there a hundred people in the world that done the three or something? I mean, not even if if that much. Yeah, uh, back when those lists were published, that was about right. Captain of Crush. So, but you were telling me that you thought that maybe the grippers are a little easier now than they were when you guys first started. No, I, I don't know if I, if I said that or oh, not. I'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah. The Captains of Crush are probably uh, consistent because they're still American-made, I, I believe. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of Chinese-made grippers and knockoffs and and everything else now that uh where the you know the the tension on the steel the spring steel is not the same and it's cheaper and all that so who knows but uh, but right. they make a good gripper yeah that's probably <laughs> what i was talking about is you know they used to just be those those grippers and now there's so many other ones and i think uh some of them just are not not the same you know yeah. Brad, Brad, tell us about because we we're just talking about this the other day and i mean you were sending me some pictures of the old man's uh some of the equipment that he's he's built and some of the stuff that he used to write on the walls to keep track of his his lifts and and all that so tell us about what 
because look, even back when we started and all this stuff, there wasn't a gym on every corner. I mean, a lot of us had to make do with like these crazy contraptions and, and different things to get in a lift and get stronger and all that. But what are the some of the things that he, you guys had at the the home gym, and is is that where you kind of got your start? Well, you know, he was big into that power rack, so he he made that power rack. Actually, my grandfather did the first one out of uh, two by or four by fours, <laughs> and then and then after that, they made one out of steel and and you know uh, angle iron. But uh, you know, that was his big thing, and. You know, it's just there's a lot of similarities there. I mean that that was my starting my starting point of lifting, but you know that same mindset is probably the same mindset that Marty has, that I have, that Jim has. I just you know heavy lifting. It's an addiction to the iron. Mm. He, he remained addicted to it until the day he died. And uh, what he would do is he would lift in this small garage, and he. He would find he would write these formulas or his workouts at times with a uh, with a permanent marker on the wall on the garage walls, and there's like a it's like a novel in there of different workouts. Every time I go in the garage, I find something new I didn't see before. But oh wow, a right. lot of these workouts are after he's 50 years old. Amazing. <laughs> are they? St- uh, you should have taken a picture of them. I got pictures of all of them. I just okay. Good, 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 good. Yeah. yeah, send us send JP some. We'll we'll post them up. Yeah, we can yeah, post that'd those. Be cool. That'd be cool. That one I sent JP yesterday. It was uh, it said it was scribbled on the wall. It it goes through uh, clean and press from floor, and it goes through like three fifteen, three thirty, three fifty, three seventy five, four hundred five. Then on the bottom he signs G Ham. Greater than fifty personal best. <laughs> you know, in uh, the way he did these lifts, there in this garage, it's a real low ceiling. He would have this spot that was kind of cut out of the top of the ceiling, this short window that he'd have to press these weights through. Wow, and, uh, it was amazing. Yep, I can relate. He, he was one of the only guys that was doing like barbell lifts back then. Because when I used to talk to Bill Starr. They used to have to sneak around, you know, in the 60s behind the coach's back to lift. You, you know what the big breakthrough was? The big breakthrough is when the, the Steelers came along. Yeah. And they just beat the hell out of everybody. Yeah. And, and they were all weight trained. They would train in the the bar. Yeah, the basement, man. right there. And they had Lou Ricci, who was a damn good. Lou Ricci held the world record in the snatch at 325 in the 181-pound class. That was their strength coach. Yeah. And they had barbells and dumbbells, and most of this stuff was either done on a bench or a squat rack or overhead. And they just they tore everybody up. At the time, the the fashion was to have like really quick, like 250-pound defense uh, off. Uh, yeah, defensive ends. Yeah. And they just said oh, please you got to send yeah. us some some re- some real men you know we're going to just manhandle these little boys and because of their dominance everybody else had to pick up on the weight training and it started with the linemen yeah you think about it you had webster Cole, larry yeah. brown oh, uh, you know you had course and all those guys were benching over 500 yeah. every single one of them yeah and everybody else was benching 300 yeah or if they were benching. Then. If they were benching. Yeah. Right. 
so they got so they got overwhelmed. Uh, also, Mike Webster, in addition to having a, a, a 540 raw bench, he was the only guy ever to run every step in Three Rivers Stadium without stopping. Yeah, he was a man. Uh, cardio animal. Yeah. So I'll go all day with you. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll beat you up all day, no problem. Yeah. And I'm going to stand right here in front of you. And and that's the way they were. And then then it transitioned. Now the guys look like they're all 400-pound refrigerators with really quick feet who get in front of you. That right. game has changed. You, know, you don't see uh, the Packers sweep. You know? yeah. You don't see any sweeps. You don't see any fullbacks. How can you see a sweep, right? I mean, <laughs> those days are gone. So, Brad, your philosophy of training – so you, you grew up sitting in the garage or the sh- whatever, watching your father, and then you just picked it up like that, or did you come to him one day and say, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to get started"? Or how did that work out? No, you know he he, he always wanted us to lift. Uh, Marty's got a picture I sent him. I, I think I was five, six years old, squatting all bent over. No way. <laughs> My, the the old man is sitting in a. In the chair, I think he had his pajamas on. I'm squatting in front of him, all bent over yep. in the living room. Yeah. Yep. Poor Brad. He he's he's so he's bent over parallel with his neck up around the bar. He's looking at his dad like, please, please, oh, father, may I stop now? And the dad's like, oh, you've got five more, you know. And it, but that's how you built your hip hinge, right, Brad? Right. Just that, and then and then from there, eventually we went into the power rack, and so. Okay. You know, my brother Carl and I, we were we were moving tremendous weights out of that power rack when we were. What was, what was really interesting is that you didn't play football; you were a basketball player. Yeah, basketball and so, track. So, were you lifting when you were playing basketball? Yeah, you know, I was one of these guys. You know, my senior year, I was about two hundred pounds, and I was all chest. It looked like Kevin McHale. You know, Kevin McHale looked like. <laughs> I was all chest. I could bench about 315 when I graduated, but I, I weighed about 200. And right. uh, I was real strong in the partial squats and deadlifts and could clean real well. But, you're, but you, were doing, you were also doing track, right? Didn't you do um, the high jump? Yeah, I, was, uh, I, I went to state uh, in the high jump. I was a 6'10 high jumper at one time. Athlete, dude. He's an athlete. Yeah. Spring. That's, that's, that's explosiveness, see. That's going to come in handy later on when you transfer to powerlifting. But uh, go ahead. Sorry, but no football. So you never took up football. You know, I did up to a point, and 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 that that would make a podcast in itself probably. <laughs> go through those younger years of Brad, you know. Yeah. All right. Next time. Yeah. Next time we'll get into that that whole deal. Well, and then. For uh, now, you played. You were doing uh, track and basketball in high school, but did you do that in college too? Yeah, I had I had a lot of offers uh, for basketball and track both. Um, I kind of uh, pissed that away. You know, I I went to college. Uh, I was supposed to play with my older brother. It didn't work out. I was getting into lifting, and you know, I regretted it for for several years that I had quit. Walked away from it. Then well, again, a, a lot of that feels like fire to lift, you know. But but I think you got injured too, didn't you? Well, eventually I did, but I, I had already dropped out of out of college sports and I got hurt. But between dropping out and regretting that and having a serious knee injury, that's really was 
fueled my passion to uh, to try to accomplish great things lifted. And it's uh, it's really ironic what you've been able to do in the sport because, like we talked about last time, and Marty said this, not me, but uh, he said Brad is built all wrong for powerlifting. Yeah, look at him. Be a great basketball player, a volleyball player, right. a swimmer. You know, uh, uh, you know, but you, for uh, powerlifting, you need density per inches of height. Right. Right. So, so maybe you had to work a little bit harder than some of the other guys in certain areas to to compensate for that. Yeah, I I, I really had a, I still do, but my you know my body is aging now, and and we the the mind is stronger than the body these days. But mm-hmm. uh, right. you you just wait. Yeah, it's it's happening, Marty. <laughs> you know, it's happening. Uh, but that 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 was really a, a big focus, mental drive. I had, I kind of made a few mistakes, just youthful mistakes, nothing serious, but just you know, being young and not being real committed to things. And once I started really getting addicted to lifting, it really fueled my fire. Unsatisfied athletic career at that point, you know. Unsatisfied, want more. Right. Isn't it funny, though, how um, we go through life and, you know, a lot of us really don't know what we're going to do at at a younger age. And, you know, I've got a daughter about to go to college. She's 17 and has no idea what she's going to do. But I didn't either at that age. And somehow you just fall in, if if you're lucky, fall into what you just know you you were made for and what you really become passionate about like we all talked about with, with weight training and, and all that. Um, and it just seems like it, it finds you and you fall into it and you go, you know what, that's what I was supposed to do. So you did basketball and all that stuff, but it wasn't until you hit powerlifting that uh, you really understood that's what you were you were made to do. Exactly. That's, couldn't, couldn't word it better than myself, JP. That's exactly it. When I started really getting into lifting and getting addicted that's that's what i was supposed to do lift weights yeah well yeah what um let's see what um so you so you started that what age did you officially start uh powerlifting and competing and and all that well i think i was about uh I was 23 years old. I was just finishing college, and I went to the Northwest Open in in uh, in Minnesota. And I, I weighed about 232, and I was in the 242 class. And I, I mean, someone—if someone saw me walking in there—they'd say, "Hey, uh, hey, young guy, the basketball courts are over that direction." <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've never had very big legs as much as I've worked them. But in those days, my legs were still really skinny. But I squatted, I think, uh, what did I squat? Uh, 585. I benched 415. And I deadlifted 640 that day, though. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it just was gradual progression from there. I think my next yeah. meet, I went over six in the squat. Mm-hmm. Were you training yourself, or, or was somebody helping you, or, or how was that working out? At that time... My two brothers, Carl, Carl had started powerlifting. Younger brother, Wade, was uh, 
just finished in high school, and he was he was lifting with us. Okay. Uh, we had a group of us up in Little Falls where I grew up, and then and then the old man came into play too. You know, we he'd kind of help us out too. So. And did he like the fact that you were powerlifting? Yeah, he loved that right away. I mean, he. I can remember back uh, watching some of it on TV, Wide World of Sports. You know, right. watching. Oh yeah. Uh, remember the uh, girl Victory Agni at the feet, and they watched uh, Jordan. Jordan's big disaster. Yeah, well, there's a story behind that wipeout. <laughs> uh, I promise you. I so promise. You eventually you made your way to Philadelphia, where I first met you, and you won the Nationals. And then I remember Marty wrote a, a, a big article in Powerlifting USA about your first Worlds um, and how how everything was so fast and how every you know you got to be. You know, you better have your attempts in, be ready to go. It was a big change for you. Um, you know, just being on the international scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that was a big breakthrough there, you know. And and, and and really, that's the day Marty and I got to know each other. And, and it's been a great friendship for been true love and- two years, you know. Yeah. Well, don't get carried away, Brad. Well, yeah, okay. I, I consider you a buddy anyway, Marty. <laughs> 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 So now, 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 Brad's Brad's problem has always been that, in addition to being built wrong, he's he's been a drug-free guy in a sport that's littered with drugged athletes, and his only weapon was that he could continually get bigger. But the challenge was he had to get bigger. It was no good putting on a hundred pounds of fat. But over that 230-pound body weight that he did in his first power lifting meet, he put on 100 pounds. And that's when he became world champion. But it took, took a lot of time. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about how does a guy get gigantic and still stay lean? You know, I, I, I have a real fast metabolism. Why? I, uh, did, why? Did you do anything... Do you do any cardio? Have you done any cardio since college? I'm not being judgmental. I'm just asking. It's not like you go out and jog or anything, is it? Not really. I, I mean, I ride. I ride my bike a little bit. Okay. You know, I, I walk. I'm doing a lot of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of work type stuff. Well, I think but, you shovel but, snow, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a lot That's of that. Sure, work. Right? Wow. Sure. I mean, but. You well, I, I, I do some strongman type cardio. You know, oh like, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, that's rugged. Yeah, carry some bags, push some oh, sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. That'll blow your heart up, you know. So, okay, we'll continue. Talk about your eating. So, yeah, I was I was a force-fed eater. I mean, you, you know that, Marty. I mean, I, you know, lots of carbs. Uh, macaroni and cheese for breakfast with, with protein powder and yep. and more heavy carbs at noon and and lots of meat, lots of protein, but, but lots of carbs, you know, and, and upwards in eight, nine thousand, ten thousand calories a day. Every time, day. You know? Every, Every day. day. World without end. And sometimes so sick of eating that, you know, you, you didn't know what you're going to eat next. Ramen noodles. Carbs. Yeah. Or like six or eight potatoes for breakfast, you know. Oh, mm. milk a day. How many meals a day? Well, you know, I, I didn't. I Life was one over. continuous meal. Just eating, yeah. Uh, but you know what? I remember that too, and I remember the force feeding. And I'll tell you what: you you get so sick of eating, and yes. and a lot of this stuff is so bland. It doesn't taste good anyway. Now maybe 
you know, yeah, I wouldn't have to. Uh, I w- would. I, I'd look forward to it if it was pizza seven times a day or something like that. But you can't do that. He just, said, he just said macaroni and cheese for breakfast. Come on, you're eating mac and cheese for breakfast. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred and thirty-three. Well, ma'am, what are you complaining about? <laughs> I could get on that. <laughs> Marty, how about the advancements in protein, though, too? I mean, yeah. when when I was younger, I mean, we were force-feeding, eating tuna out of a can. You know, oh, you get so sick of it, you couldn't stand it no That's more. That's the one I didn't like, yeah. Yeah, yeah we into the raw eggs, slamming them down. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, man. Do you remember? You start getting GNC pro-performance protein or, you know, a good good quality protein you can drink instead of the tuna, you know? Well, you really took off when you hit your creatine. Yeah, creatine. Creatine was a big, a big supplement for me. You put on what, what, fifteen or twenty pounds with that? Yeah, that was a, that was a big supplement. I still think that was that is the number one supplement they've ever come up with. Is yeah, I agree. In the mid '90s, when people started on creatine, it changed everything. You know, deadlift went up 40, 50 pounds. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Now, now, Brad, when you, when you would travel somewhere, would you when you would go to another country for a meet or or even go on vacation? Uh, describe how would you prepare for that because now you got to bring you know you can't go to another country and depend on what they're gonna have locally or not have i mean you got to make sure you have all your stuff so i would imagine you had to bring a bunch of food with you yeah i tell you i was a master of hotel room chefery you know I could. Yeah. first first tell them how many suitcases you drag <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well tell them. Tell them. You know, if it was Eastern Europea, Europe in the in the nineties, you had to bring a suitcase full of toilet paper and water along with. Yep. You know, <laughs> there was none of that over there either. You know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, something to cook out of. Uh, you you know you you grab the salt and pepper shaker off the breakfast table the first day you get there, so that goes up. You grab an extra fork and a plate. Did you have a uh, did you have a pressure cooker or something packed with you in your suitcase? I mean, you had to bring all the cooking stuff too. Well, I, I had this this rice cooker. It's called it's like a twelve dollar thing. Oh, yeah, that traveled the world with me for fifteen years. The same wow. Thing, you know? Yep, and that way you don't depend on the the normally horrible local food. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I, what were your selections? Of course, ramen, right? Ramen, and uh, you know, in, in recent years, you, you get that 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 chicken in the bag. You know, that's easier. The tuna that goes in the bag. Mm-hmm. You get some kind of noodle, pasta, tomato yep. sauce. You yep. know, and you cook that noodle up, and you dump that tomato sauce, and you got that salt and pepper from the restaurant yep. at the hotel, and yep. and it and, tastes good to you, and you eat it, and you eat it, and it's yeah. good because. Yeah, can you're used to it, and it's it's just like yeah, that's comfort food, right? Yep. And What's... again, uh, I, you know, the worst thing I um, they used to make us. What was the thinking, Brad? They used to make us go in like seven or nine days in, ahead because of the the jet lag. Oh man, that was so stupid. But what was the thinking on that? Do you remember? I don't. You'd have know. to get there early, right? Right. And I I tried for my best to. To convince people I shouldn't go in go in that early, you know. Yeah, they they had this uh, crazy theory that if you were on the United States team and you were in Europe, you had to get on their in their 
adjusted to their time. So they so they would bring us in seven to nine days ahead of time to get adjusted to their time. Well, our body weight would go to hell. I mean, if you're in Slovakia, right? I mean, it's just it's it's gruesome. And we weren't smart enough to pack our food, so you know, I, you know, we was it was it was terrible. But Brad had the right idea. And again, in his case, body weight was everything, right? You had to have leverage. Exactly, because yeah. I, sometimes I would get there, and you you might be down ten to fifteen pounds upon arrival just from that 30-hour plane, train, uh, mm-hmm. bus-type oh. trips that you have to Stre- take. For stress. Yeah. No sleep. You can't fit in any of the seats, right? Right. Yeah, stand in the back of the, the plane the whole way. Oh, uh, God. Dehydrated. Uh, no sleep. Yeah, it just... Did many guys... Bad. Did many guys that were traveling um, get sick? I mean, I know you know not to drink the water in a lot of different places, but was that a common occurrence, guys getting sick, like, you know, stomach problems or whatever coming up to the meat? I I didn't see any of that. No? Did you, Brad? You didn't see any of that. Well, once in a while from the food, you know, you just is a different food, but, yeah. yeah. I know... That was, that was not a major issue. A couple of meets, but. <clears throat> I, love this, you know, uh, I know people want to know how Brad trained or still trains. Um, it's obviously a very successful formula he uses because in, in that tiny little town where he lives, he's had a bunch of champions that he's trained. Um, Marty makes that point all the time that it's definitely not where you live. You know, it, it's, uh, it's how you train. How big, city, how big is your city, Brad? I work in the city of Marshall. It's about thirteen thousand people. And how many guys? Africa. How many guys have you sent to uh, national and world? You know, I I should have had that ahead of time, but I think we've sent nine different guys to work. world championships. Got to work, yeah. Out of thirteen thousand people, yeah. And we've had uh, we've been represented at at over forty world championships because. You know, a lot of guys multiple times, but yep. nine different guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What? Why don't you tell us how your training how, has evolved, like how, how it started, and how it kind of evolved, and and what you're doing now. Well, now is uh, now is <laughs> you know now it's really cut down now, but you know it 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 started. I had that power rack base, that heavy partial base, right. But I was really a, a five by five type guy. What does that uh, mean? Uh, five sets, five reps, uh, especially on the squat. That was always my staple. Five sets, five reps, no belt, no gear. And you're, you, and, about 20 and you're using that as a deadlift assistance exercise. It really is because okay, I yeah. I, well, let's, yeah. Tell us, tell us why. So my volume in the deadlift was really low. Um, maybe one set of five or maybe five singles, five, six singles every other week. Wow. Out of the power rack the next week. Okay. But some of the um, assistance there is going to be maybe a couple sets of Romanian deadlifts or some front squats as part of the assistance in there, maybe yeah. some leg press, bent rows. But You're segmenting the deadlift, yeah. But as far as deadlift, not a lot of heavy stuff on the yeah. floor. You just felt like you couldn't recover from, from that, you know, 
Because look at man, your percentage. You know, if, if you're doing 80, 85 percent, you're in the 600s all the time, up to right. seven. You know, uh, so is that what you felt like? Just recovering from the deadlift is is tough. Yeah, it would really knock out my my nervous system too. It would really just fatigue me for my my next several workouts if I went too heavy. Well, here also you got to remember, man, we got to squat in the same week. Right. Okay, it, it ain't we're not deadlift specialists. Mm -hmm. We gotta we gotta fit in heavy squatting and heavy deadlifting, and they fatigue a lot of the same muscles if you do it right. You're yeah. gonna fatigue your glutes, you're gonna fatigue your lower back, you're gonna fatigue your abs, you're gonna fatigue your inner and outer upper thighs. Okay, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. It's like how do you make that fit and recover? Also, recovery is aided by calories. Right. Yeah. Eat, eat, get the protein in, and try to recover for the next workout. So that that would be Mondays. Mondays would be uh, some type of, of warm up, maybe a clean. Early on, I do, do cleans. I like doing Olympic lifting. Uh, a lot cool. of during some of my more successful years, front squats. I, I had straps made that would allow me to front squat. Mm -hmm. I would do my uh, my set of deadlifts from the floor or out of the rack. Then I'd move into some bent rows. I really like bent rows. Uh, we, what type? What type are you using? Rick conventional, double overhand grip, uh, moderate width. Double overhand grip, fairly wide on the bent rows, and then I have a high touch point. Uh, yeah, Jim and Marty, you guys have seen me at some yeah. of our presentations yeah. do that. Yeah. Where's your touch point, Brad? Up, up near my my chest. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really stresses the upper back doing that. You know. Um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting. You know, all programs work. You know, we always talk about stuff like that. And, of course, there's good, better, and best. But what Brad has, and everybody I've been around, the Kirk Kowalskis, Marty, and those guys, what he has is an ability to uh, get super focused and super fired up right before he does his lift. We teach together. We teach Special Forces guys together. And when Brad and I start teaching, you can see – how excited, I mean, I get excited too, but you can see, man, we're both so excited to teach the deadlift, to teach the bench press. It's a whole different, Brad, you can talk about that, but you go into a different realm almost, man, of intensity and excitement, don't you think? Oh, yeah, we, we've had some good ones, haven't we? Yeah, we're, get the lather. What do you say? Get the uh, <laughs> get, get a good ointment going. Get a good ointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I noticed that too. Brad, Brad is a really... Uh, he's a really uh, quiet guy most of the time. You know, he's real, a real humble guy. But get him in there in front of the guys, and uh, you know, he's about to teach the deadlift or whatever. Man, it's a, it's like, uh, it's like Superman coming out of the, the phone booth. Yeah, we're we're Jim, we're we're sweating, we're talking loud, we're we're spitting all over the place, and <laughs> guys are looking at us like, boy, what happened to these guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, they know. They know. They know. They they use the same type of mindset in uh, their line of work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's the point where, you know, he's a world champion. When he eats, it's not you know twelve shrimp. It's fifty shrimp. When he deadlifts, it's not you know seven hundred for a double and put it down. It's seven seventy five. You know, and his the blood vessels are popping out of his eyes. I mean, it's it's just a. I want to make that that point that it's just a different ball game, man. When you get around these guys, you know, um, you get around. You know, Kirk's got the same thing. It's that switch 
where it's like, okay, nothing else matters in the world right now except this lift that I'm getting ready to do. You know, and it's, and it's life or death. Yeah, and it is, man. And and you know, people can say, oh, it's just lifting weights. No, no, very important to me right now. You know? It's got to be, be a little element of danger involved. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's an altered state right. of mind, you know. Yeah. And and we are able to push ourselves consistently 102%, and that's how we better ourselves. You don't get better training sub-maximally. Right. I, don't, I mean, how does that work? Cruising through life at 75 to 80% and expecting that you're going to turn yourself into a superhuman? Not going to happen, people. Right. This is all-out efforts, and then we keep pushing the limits, pushing the, the, the envelope pushing where we're at and we push and we push and we push and some of us break sometimes you break but uh, there's a strategy to it and a guy like Gillingham has basically made gains for oh I don't know 20 straight years uh, yeah. so you need to listen to him when he when he talks about the way he trains and Brad you are a volume trainer I would mention that he you're you're a gym owner too right yeah we've got Jackal's gym here in Marshall it's just a it's just it's kind of like a bigger version of my dad's garage that we were talking about it's just mm -hmm. lots of heavy equipment lots of dust on the floor for us uh, lots of heavy metal going uh, just a great place to check train you know? Wait, so that was when did we finish Wednesday yeah well, I was gonna say, can we can yeah. you finish this out the training week <laughs> sure so Monday is that uh, you know that's that kind of sets the tone that's a pretty crazy then you get into Wednesday, Wednesday's bench, you know, and, and, you know, what can we say about bench? It's uh, when, you know, it's uh it's bench. So generally five by five bench, uh, some of the assistants. I would with this, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We do, let's not gloss over. This is five by five with the static poundage, right? Right. And again, for you, a static poundage is what? Five fives with what? 405 warming up with. 135 225 315 365 something like that yeah i i mean back in back in the day my my five by five was 500 ish you know it was uh, what was I've five, by, five by five by three was 535 before wow but how about five by five five by five has been right at about 500 was my at my yeah. peak yeah 500 there you go <clears throat> so okay so keep going so five by five so the one thing I did different, and I and I did kind of gloss over that, but what I what I started doing early on was I'd go up and do this single, and it was uh, it wasn't a max, it was uh, an increasing single throughout the uh, training training cycle. Hmm. So I would do the single first, and then I'd drop down and do my uh, my sets, you know, and that. And it, the five by five. The five by five set. And it made the five by five feel light as hell, didn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of different, you know, scientific names to that, but you're just, you know, you're just kind of supercharging your whole nervous system, your neural factors, your firing rate, all those things by doing that heavier weight to start out with. Mm -hmm. I like that. And sort of like Hungarians did, they work up to an unexcited max, and then they take the percentage off of that every day. Who said, said that? The Bulgarians. I like that. What do they call? What do you call it? Unexcited max. So max that you can walk in and do that day. Yeah, I like it. Unexcited max. Kirk, Kirk's doing that right now. He's he's afraid he's going to injure himself. So he's yeah. doing unexcited lifting. So 
So anyway, I don't mean. So after you do your benches, what do you roll on to? Then it'd just be bench assistance, you know, maybe some tricep work. What, what do you do for your triceps? Those that had a change over the years too, because you know initially there was a lot of skull, you know, uh, skull crushers and that kind of stuff. But eventually my elbows got to the point where yeah. I couldn't tolerate a lot of that. So I maybe do a heavy dumbbell overhead uh, extension, standing, mm-hmm. or uh, what kind of set? Weight. What kind of sets and reps? For a lot of that assistance, I was kind of a three by ten on assistance. Three by ten, so more more reps. Any incline or close grip? Close grip, I would do on Fridays following my okay. my squat workout. I still right. do that same same setup. Okay, so you're benching, you're doing some tricep work, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, except for maybe some, you know, some GPP type work. You know, the maybe some strong sandbag type stuff, farmer's okay. walk, uh, that kind of thing. Okay. What, what what did you call it? General physical preparedness. So you're doing a strongman workout. A little bit of that, you know. And okay. That, and that stuff would kind of that would change as as you're getting heavier and closer to a meet. You'd start right. kind of eliminating some of that stuff. But. Right. Each riding a stationary bike. And and Brad, no, no inclines, right? Never really did inclines. Um, not much at all. Mm-hmm. All so, right, what's next, brother, brother? Probably because we didn't have an incline. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. dinosaur gym. Yeah. All right, so you're on to Friday. So Friday, Friday, the real meat of Fridays would be that five by five squat routine. Okay. And uh, now you're pushing the five by five up each week. Each week, um, believe it or not. <laughs> My, Typically, how many pounds a week are you pushing it up? Be about a twenty-pound increase each week. Yeah, yeah, twenty pounds, people, for a, a guy as strong as Brad means a lot less for you. Right. And uh, those now, sometimes th- this number just doesn't really excite people too much when I tell them this, but but you have to remember these were done no bells. They were done in about twenty minutes. And they were done in strict fashion, no gear, maybe a pair of knee sleeves. And, uh, you know, my best on that was about 615 for, for 5 by 5 Oh, that works for me. <laughs> but that, when you do that, five sets of five with that kind yeah. of weight. Yeah, I mean, man. You don't, you don't Brad, 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 you really don't have to apologize for that. Yeah, don't apologize for your... <laughs> for 615 for five sets of five. Yeah. For a guy who has skinny legs. And you got to know, man, it's the IPF death. Yeah, death right, death. this is no joke. This is yeah. Hey, Brad, would you say that squats was your least favorite lift? Yeah, probably. I mean, I I just, it was my toughest lift. But, but I, I probably put more work into my squats than any yeah. of them. So sure. Um, you were like high sevens, early eight. Where were you on that squat in the competition? My best official was 870. Jesus. I did come up with, I came up with 881 in, in Cape Town, South Africa, 2004 at the, at the Worlds. I got called two to one on depth, but mm-hmm. I, I did squat a 400 kilo, but I didn't, it didn't count. So. Yeah. Oh man. You're, you're strong, man. Strong, strong. And, and I'd have to. All right. So the five by fives, right? Right. You doing leg assistance work? 
not that night. Uh, oh, yeah, that's not too much, you know. I'm getting done there, and I'm I'm pretty much getting into my uh, close grip bench press, some kind of okay. speed work or close grip bench press, mm-hmm. or, or maybe some rack bench presses too, mm-hmm. depending on what time it is. But again, you've knocked the hell out of your legs. Your legs are dead. So let's do some benching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're doing 25 reps at 615. You don't need anything else. No, yeah. you're shot. You're like yeah. you're but, you, but you're still good for benching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah, let's go. I like that. Now, uh, is it, uh, do you train three days a week or do you train four? How, how many? What's your frequency? Three days a week with standard pretty much. Maybe a, maybe something light on a Saturday or some, you know, some stretching kind of light stuff. Well, but otherwise, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On yeah. that trip, were you doing the same kind of stuff, 555? Uh, what was that on? On the close grip, were you doing five sets of five also? No, no, I, I kind of went more to a speed work type thing. Uh, okay. Maybe an eight sets of two, eight sets of three. Chain? Using chains on that? Sometimes chains, sometimes yeah. not, sometimes bands. Okay. Uh, and then sometimes I would do rack rack benches too. But I, yeah. I found that when I did my really heavy five-by-five five squats, my back would be too fatigued and I would kind of get in some danger of hurting my pecs in that rack, so mm-hmm. I'd start going more to speed work just to yeah. kind of get stretched out. And so that's probably around, what, 70%, something like that? Right in that, that neighborhood. Yeah, okay, good. And that's a recovery workout for you, too, man, if you think about it. So you're working on your speed, the speed off your chest, um, you know, compensatory acceleration, plus, you know, it's uh, getting some blood in there without killing yourself. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that workout. You get done and you really feel it felt good you know you felt like you go you go punch a heavy bag or something when you're done doing that <laughs> so any curls, laterals uh any anything like uh you know little assistant stuff or you pretty much barbell oriented there behind the neck presses oh yeah many, many years of behind the neck presses after that light bench uh seated standing barbell dumbbell during my best benching years it was seated behind the neck um, what's your best Okay. I, I went over 400. Wow. On that. Sheesh. You, <laughs> yeah. you ever, do, do you do ever you have any shoulder on? problems? Not not really too many. A little bit of bicep tendonitis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you just brought that to your ear. I remember we talked about that. Yeah. I would go right to that bump. At least I have one on the back of my head there, you know, kind of ear level. Okay. Yeah. Or and you maybe. Uh, that the press behind the neck drove the bench up, correct? Right, I think that that really gave me a lot of lot of power in those shoulders. Mm-hmm. Hell, we all did be, uh, press behind neck, man. I'm telling you, I thought it was a great exercise. I've got the guys at the gym doing it now. They're doing it standard because we standing because we don't have the rack. I haven't jolt the first one to lock out and then yeah. then start repping it. And uh, yeah, they're getting great results. Their traps are all getting pumped up. It's a great exercise, oh, man. The negative portion is all trap, man. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love those things. Those those are great. What a beautifully uh, narrow menu you had. It's it's the it's the Occam's razor. <laughs> yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I mean it's not a lot of variety. I mean it's, it's very few exercises, fewer things done better. Right. Yeah, yeah we never had back. many much equipment, so maybe maybe we do some flat pull downs to the front or something. But other than that, not not much machine work. What what uh, I, I don't think you answered this, but what assistance work did you do for legs? Well, if any, 
man, I didn't I didn't do a lot because uh, you know we have a, a leg press, but that's that's when your back's hurting you too much and you can't squat. Then you do some leg presses. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, not much of anything else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're doing RDL. Twenty-five reps in the six hundred range on the squat. That's enough. Yeah, I don't need it. We asked uh, we asked Kirk the same thing. He goes, "Well, I tried leg press once, but we had to bring in like two thousand pounds of iron from the other room, and that was the end of that." No, Kirk didn't bring in any of the weight. Marty, <laughs> Marty did. Okay, and it ruined our goddamn back. Workout. Okay, the loading and the unloading of the hundreds as Kirk's just repping it out and yawning. With like I don't know whatever eight on each side whatever it was and Bob and I are like God damn how did we get into this this is like unpaid labor uh, <laughs> thank well, God you stopped doing them. <laughs> yeah that that you know that five by five so uh, Sean Coleman you guys know Sean I think yeah many very good lifter many years good friend of mine he would follow he'd like following the workout too so those five by five workouts they used to be sixteen week cycles. And week 13 was the heavy one. Mm. And once you ran through that a few times, that's all you'd think out about from week one was week 13. I'm not going to go week 13. And uh, that was the killer. Yeah. So. How about that? Talk about auto-visualization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, you know I, how else I, I, uh, I got familiar with you, Brad, is because Rob Wagner was my boss. And you guys, you, he had seen you at the world using the hook grip. For your deadlift sure and then you started sort of helping him uh, over the phone okay you're going to do a set with straps here then you're going to hook this one and and all that stuff but he i remember he came back i don't know where you guys were but he was like i got to start hooking it's shorter brad yep. doesn't lose, lose any any uh grip you know um and that's you know you started going the hook grip when brad i started i i started in 2000 at the world okay. and i i saw uh Maxim Potatini, full 854 in, in Sweden at this invite at the end of 99. And I kept dropping these. I had one hand that I had an injury, and my grip started really being my problem. So I, I come back from Sweden. I said, I got to get one of those. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, later that year in Akita City, Japan, I pulled 837 to win it using the hook grip. Wow. That kind of freaked the Russians out. They were... <laughs> Well, they were all using it too, right? Because they've been lifting background. Isn't that really the safest way to do it, though? Because you look on YouTube, you see these guys tearing their biceps using the uh, the the uh, alternate grip and all that. Yep. 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 So no, I agree, JP. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it shortens the pull, and you don't have that twisting. You know, you, you can't help it. You twist just a little bit. You know, when it gets super heavy. Um, so, you know, I think it's and, more efficient. And how much extra grip strength do you think you need to do a a good uh, hook grip? I mean, Once you, you get got used to it, though, Brad, it's easier, right? Once you get right. used to it. You just got to put up with the pain, right? It just uh, it hurts so bad at first. Yeah. And then, and then it gets easier over time. And for, <laughs> in Rob's case, Wagner, he, he kept dropping his last deadlifts. He kept, he kept just finishing in that fourth, fifth range at Worlds. Yeah. with weight that he was strong enough to do and then he switched over the hook grip and he ended up uh was he third in finland or uh Good. Yeah. 672 yeah yeah i mean yeah. you put it all together with that hook so brad are you squat well he could squat 
Brad, are you done competing? I mean, because you, you just competed here, what, a few months ago? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I went to the Arnold this year, and, man, we had a terrible winter up here. I hate making excuses ever, but I, I was really strong in December, and I was, I was hopeful to go over 800 again, and it never quit snowing all winter. And right. um, I pulled 750 there, and I, I was pretty happy with that because uh, training wasn't the best. But And, and that's at what age? You're what, 52, 53? 53. Man, that's a great and list. Still, so, still like to pull eight one more time, but we'll see. You know, you'll do it. You'll do it. Oh, what are you talking about? You know, stop talking like a girl, Brick. Come on, get it together, man. Let's go. You need me to fly up there or what? Come on. Right. Yeah, I need to well, talk to you guys this morning. That's good. Well, we've we've talked about we've talked about your longevity. We talked about this last time, and you're, you know, you're what well over twenty years your your powerlifting career, and I remember last time we asked you, we go, what do you attribute that to? And that's, and you said being drug free. Well, and, yeah, and that's, that's part of that is just that if you do it that way, you got to have a real slow progression too. Yeah. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, that, so that's, that's both ways, but you know, the slow progression towards getting stronger, you know, you get that tendon strength built up, you build things up slowly, you have a little less injuries, you know. And eventually you, you filled in. Right, yeah. You know, uh, and if 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 we had gotten you started a little bit earlier, and you could have eventually pushed your body weight up to three sixty or three seventy, I I think you would have. Assuming you could have fit under the squat bar, I think you would have set records that <laughs> that nobody would have uh, surpassed, and you could have gotten that big at your height. You really, you know that. Yeah, I think I could have filled out more. Yeah. Yeah, and and still maintain your 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 low f- body fat percentile. Yeah, that would have been freaky. <laughs> but but you know what's funny on the other side of this. So Brad, you know, drug free lifter all his life. You know, career over twenty years. He the progression was slower, but more steady, more consistent all the way up. He hits his peak, and we all hit our peak and start to go down the hill on the other side. Um, you you. I would say that you stayed healthier and stronger and more consistent than many others that maybe weren't drug free because you just had that that um like I said that consistency you 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 went up the hill slower and gained it slower but more consistent and then I think it really helps and this is what a lot of us don't think about is when we get older and hit the peak and go on the other side. You still want to remain strong, good shape, healthy. Um, so, I mean, don't you think that that's well, really yeah, helped you me, as well? Excuse me. If I, don't, if I could just cut in, I think also we still want to kick ass in competition. There are so many <clears throat> age group divisions and there's so many weight classes that we can mm-hmm. keep rolling. And you know what? We're still strong as hell we might not be at 50 percent I'm, I'm i'm at about 50 percent of what i was at my peak but so what because you know with guys my age watch out yeah right i agree yeah I'm right ready, we, that's we, what we, keeps we, you in the game right brother <clears throat> right marty you know we've talked about that yeah. we've gotten all all excited at doing some of our special forces training and and i've gotten in one of those moods and i look at you and i go marty you know what i worry about the most <laughs> I worry about someday when I can't get a good ointment going like I'm got right now. Yeah, he looks at me and he goes, "Every time I look at you, I know I got another 20. 
But I, but I think Brad said it right, and we just talked about this the other day too. He said uh, sometimes the brain. Um, it remains stronger than the body. In other words, we're still fired up mentally. But on the other hand, you can't necessarily do what you used to do. So we have to come to grips with our with our physical capabilities as we get older. And, you know, some guys get really upset about that, depressed, uh, especially, I think, if you're a world-class athlete like, like, like Brad. Um, you know, that's what you're known as. That's what you do. That's your passion. So I would imagine this kind of thinking and mentality is amplified for, for you kind of, you guys, Brad, because you've been at the top of the world and to see yourself start to get a little bit weaker over time, you're not used to that. You've been for 20 years or whatever, consistently making gains and improving yourself and if you listen to the way he's talking though he just changes his goals you know right. now i'd like yeah. to play 100 you know now i you know i did 750 that was good but i'm you know i'd like right. to get 800 and you know just as you go along yeah real realistically yeah you're not going to be doing you know upper upper eights but damn right. i'm 800 you know at 55 or whatever in a couple of years he pulls 800 that's a, a fantastic goal, and it keeps you going. Yeah, that's crazy. So, where are you in relation to other men your age? Exactly. Right. Go right. to your damn class reunion. Yeah, and, and Brad, if you want to feel better, you know, Brad's a very methodical guy. He, he's a planner, you know, and so it's not like I got to go do this right now. It's like okay, I'm going to hit this this weight at this time. If I get my body weight here, I'm going to hit this. You know. That's just the way his personality is, man. It's just from being around him for years. You Brad, know, he can handle Brad, us. Brad. Yeah. Yep. What's our motto? Old people are weak. Easy to take advantage of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, the I think it's all about just, just keeping up the good fight, you know. There you, you go. That's a good fight. you got to keep keep fighting. Love you it. Know, I don't want to sound like I'm out of a Rocky movie, but, you know. Love, love you got to keep the fight. And, and that's it, man. Yeah. What else is? Yeah, you can't give up. You got to keep fighting yeah. it. That's great. Yeah. What? Um, what? Um, let's see. Boy, we've got so many questions. Um, who? And by the way, who was your favorite competitor that that you competed against? Who did you really like competing against? You know, who would really get you fired up? You know that's that's a tough question because the the career went so long. I've, I've you know I some of these competitors are good friends of mine. I mentioned Sean Pullman. I mean we we competed against each other for 25 years. Uh, we competed on the same team together at IPF Worlds. Uh, we we became very good friends. And and then when the meet happens like this winter, it was great. We're you know we're talking about putting a good fight on. We're at the Arnold. The number of people dropped out. Me and Sean, we're going head to head on the Arnold stage in that deadlift. I gambled, went 750 on my third. I made it. I didn't think he was going to make it. He comes out and pulls a gut busting 760, beats me. Ooh. Yeah. And you feel great about it. I'm, I'm clapping for him the whole time. But yeah. the funny part, though, is I go out on the, on the stage, we're getting introduced, and I try to raise Sean's hand up over his head. And he brings it about part way and put it down. And so. I thought, well, maybe he's just being humble. So I go back and I, I try to raise it again. And he whispers, he goes, 
hey man, he goes, my shoulder doesn't move, my shoulder doesn't go up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, hey Brad, I got a question. Name your top five power lifters. Go. Oh boy, man, yeah, you're, come on, you know, you know, you know, come on. You know your your historical your historical figures and in, in powerlifting. You know, of course, you got to have. You got to have an, an Eddie Cohn in there. You got to have a Kirk Kerwowski in there for sure. You know, uh, you got to put on the world level. I I got to put Victor Nalikin in there. He's a guy from the Ukraine that was beat me at the Worlds at age 44, I believe. Uh, where else do we go from there, Marty? There's there's you got five. I got. No, I got, we got we got we got plenty, brother. Come on, we got yeah. Gene Gene Bell. Right, we got we got Gene Bell in there for sure. Oh my God, he was incre- he was incredible. You know, if only he had not come up at the same time as Ed Cohn, he would have been the the man. Yeah, you know, you got you got a guy like there's just so many. So you got a guy like Tony Harris now. He's he's in his fifties too. He's another one. Squatted eight thirty seven a couple years ago. You know. Yeah, IPF style, real, real squatting. Yeah, and he's he's in his fifties, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, how about uh, David Ricks? David Ricks is another one that just keeps lifting huge poundages, and he's nearing sixty years old, you know. Yeah. And and again, another lifetime drug free guy. Right. right. Yeah. Great, great, great. But anyway, you know, there's just uh, uh, was now you never. Uh, once the drug tests were taken into account, you were never bested by a Russian, were you? I've never was bested by one that didn't eventually fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we call winning. You know, uh, <laughs> when the winner gets popped, you become the winner. <laughs> you know, I, I was really strong coming back into the two, 2007 Worlds in, in Austria and and uh, Vondarenko had come off his suspension, and uh, he looked like he weighed about 30 pounds more than he did prior to his suspension. But he made it through that meet, but he didn't make it much longer. The next meet, he was gone. But Well, you know, again, with the, I think the Russian strategy is better to burn out than fade away, right? Yeah, and definitely. <laughs> they, come, they come and go quick. Hey, you Brad. Know, Sorry, Marty. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, man. What, uh, Brad? We had John Perillo on here a few weeks ago, and I asked him. I said, "Look at how bodybuilding has evolved. Look how big these guys are and muscular these guys are. Can it go any further? What do you think about the strength sports? I mean, do you think it can go much further than it's than it is right now? It sure seems to be. You know, I." I was in, uh, I ventured into strongman a couple of years at the Arnold, and unfortunately I hurt my biceps both years, so I dropped out. But I know in 2002 when I was in that contest, you had big Mark Henry. He won that year. He was weighing 400. But I was maybe pretty close to being the next biggest guy weighing about 330. And now that contest, everybody's over 400. You know, you've got Thor, the, the mountain. you got you got Brian Shaw. You have guys that are six eight four fifty so people people keep keep getting bigger and keep getting stronger so it's it seems like powerlifting 
used to be more of a, a short man sport, but it seems like it's becoming a tall man sport. No, 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 not powerlifting, strong man. Oh, strong man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, in powerlifting, you're seeing some really freaky things, too. You got a guy like Ray Williams that squatted yeah. 1,070 or 80 raw. Mm-hmm. He weighs 400 plus. Can I just point out? Uh-oh. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a <laughs> rain on the parade, but when you take a 400-pound guy and you give him even an 1,100-pound squat, it's like 2.5 times body weight. You know what I mean? It's easier to squat gigantic. I don't think that the squats are that good. I think everybody's lagging. I think we're topped out, brother. You think I don't. So? I, 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 you look at the all-time clean and jerk record, Terry Nenko, that was set in 1988. I mean, no one's come close to Cone. No one's come close. You know what I mean? I, uh, or a cross-top snatch record, 488. That was set in uh, 80, 89. No, 91. You know, it's been... All the all those all-time strength records have been stagnant for a long time. I'm talking legal records. I'm not talking deadlifts done with straps or bendy bars. Right. I think I I, I think it's different. Yes, in strongman, you're seeing, but that's sport specific. First off, you have to be tall to pick those damn stones up easily, right, and put them up on high places. Yeah. Right there, all short people are eliminated. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you've got some more more specific training in there now too that never existed in the past. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but I, I don't think these guys are are necessarily. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, 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 Hollywood Henderson. Have you ever seen a better bencher than him? No, that's that's yeah. As far as bench goes, uh, you're talking a seven. What was it, Marty? Sixteen or eleven or twenty-two? Raw yeah. bench. Yeah. No problem. Used to used to walk out and open with six sixty without a warm up. So the uh, guy from do seven hundred. Yeah, wasn't a problem for him. But again, I'm just that I don't mean to 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 bring it off on that point. But I think that that in fact we are peaked out, and I think that Brad, I think we, you and I, came through the golden age of power strength. I don't think anybody is matching those records that the Furnesses and the Cones and or even yourself. I mean, we're the drug free guys that are that are pulling eight hundred routinely. I'm sorry, where are they? Yeah, there's the the, the dead maybe hasn't hasn't grown that much. It has in in the one realm strongmen, but you're talking uh you know a different thing than powerlifting, a different lift, but um Benches, uh, you know, raw bench, you know, because now we have raw world records. Uh, I believe the guy was from Algeria. He set the raw world record because they reestablished the records at 639 last weekend. So, you know. <laughs> That's Pat Casey, 1964. Yeah. So that, you make a good point there because, you know, Henderson did that. 700 plus lift many years ago. Jim Williams did 700 in 1970. Raw. Yeah, so that that hasn't grown too much there. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lighter weight records though. There's some of these female lifters in particular that are. Really uh, yeah. Okay. Let's leave that. I mean, we don't. Let's not get into that. <laughs>
you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure we'll see uh, our fair share of the occasional freak that'll come along that's just, you know, genetically gifted beyond belief. But I think as a well, whole... Wait, wait, really? I mean, where are they? I, well, I don't know. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Coon and Kirk have been retired for 20 years. Yeah. But I think you're right as a whole. I, I think as a whole, you're right. Yeah. We're waiting. Where's the next Bo Jackson? Where's the next Jim Brown? The next Will Chamberlain? The next Brad Gillingham? You know it's, what I'm pro- it's probably one of the guys down there at the barn that you train on Sundays. No. Anybody just, stick out? Just regular boys. No, no. <laughs> boys from the neighborhood. You know, but you know what? Even on common man, we make them. We turn man into Superman. Man into beast. Yep. No problem. <laughs> you know the beauty of this is we got Marty really fired up right now. Good ointment. It happens once in a while, man. He gets really grumpy sometimes. We hit that button. Look out! God damn it! Just start start talking about bench shirts and monoliths. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boys are more irritating than my first wife. Those are Marty buttons. All right. What? Well, you know what? Look, we're over an hour here. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. Right, let me just let me just ask this: what, What's the future hold there, brother? Well, I think we just keep uh, the good fight up, keep lifting. I know you and I and and Jim and JP, we've got we've got some good years ahead doing the work we do with uh, special forces, and I I always look forward to our next uh, our next training session there. Oh yeah, but we're working uh, on some we're working on some things there for sure. No. Uh, but competitively, have you got anything in your gun sights? Not, not in the immediate future. I, okay. uh, How's your health? How you feel? You know, the one thing I, that happened this winter, my my back just got tight, and I I blame it on on just one of the worst winters we've been through up here. And right. So I'm just kind of kind of rehabbing that, just trying to get healthy and and. Uh, well, didn't you just say? Didn't you say you just pulled seven fifty and? March first. In March, that was started it. That's unhealthy and and pathetic. <laughs> then we got we got to get the snow after that. Yeah, you got snow into June, I think. Oh my god. <laughs> we 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 all try to hold ourselves to a pretty high standard, though, don't we, boys? You know. <laughs> you know, just real quick, it was funny. It was funny, you came down in February, you know, we all met in Virginia, and it was a 100-degree difference. It was a hundred, literally 100 degrees warmer where we were at in Virginia. And I remember Marty said to you, we'll keep, on, we'll keep an eye on you, we'll keep a lookout in case you go down from heat stroke. At 70 degrees. <laughs> and it was 70 degrees. That was funny. 56 below zero in northern Minnesota the week before. Jeez, man. Oh, man. All right. Were we good? Yeah, we're good. Brad, was there anything else that you wanted to plug? We talked about jackals a little bit. I don't know. I don't think you usually talk about that too much, but uh, now's your chance to mention anything you want to mention. Yeah, sure. We mean... I just look forward to next time we do this. Uh, Jackals is our is our gym. My my brother's got a great uh, a great store, JacklesGym.com. They sell a lot of equipment on there. So check out our website if you get a chance. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. We you know I look forward to. We should do this again, guys. Yeah, let's do it again. You know, I I still got so many questions I want to ask you. So we'll have you back and address some of this other stuff. So. Uh, 
We'll leave it there. So uh, check out Marty's weekly column and podcast, Raw with Marty Gallagher, at ironcompany.com. Most of you are now hearing us on iTunes and Spotify, so check that out. Marty and Jim are available for online training and seminars. If you'd like to uh, request their services, you can reach them by emailing marty at ironcompany.com or jim at ironcompany.com. Also pick up Marty's book, Purposeful Primitive. And uh, it's, it's a great read, great information. And visit Iron Company for all your gym flooring and uh, gym, gym equipment needs. We've currently got great deals on urethane dumbbells, bumper plates, kettlebells, Olympic bars, and a lot more. And finally, uh, Jim Steele's got some, he's got a growing library of articles on our website. Uh, you can find Jim Steele's articles by going to... Do you have ratings on those, like PG-13 and... No, Jim's pretty good. He, he, uh, no, there's usually no F-bombs or anything in there, so yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, giving him any of the good stuff, happy Jim. No, I have to tell him to scale it back sometimes, though, and he usually complies and we're good. Um, but check out his articles. He, I think you've got, like, maybe four or five up there now. Just go to articles at the top of our site and click on there. You'll see a drop-down that says Jim Steele. Um, and you can check out his website, BassBarbell.com, for training, motivation, and programs. Other than that, that's it, Brad. We thank you very much. Yeah. And you're, we always have a great time with you. You're a great guy. Yeah, uh, thanks, JP. Good talking with you guys. All right, buddy. All right, you got it. Thanks. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.